0: great song by coldplay called fix you uh, and i want to focus on a couple of lyrics that are in that song that i think can lead us into a place where we might be able to this week spend some time thinking about our own wholeness and our soul and i think there's a good connection to uh, some scripture uh, around this these lyrics and uh, the lyric i want to focus in on today uh, really does come from uh, this point of pain right i love the lyric here that says when the tears come streaming down your face. Have you ever had that experience, right? Where it's just like almost uncontrollable, right? The the reality is you're having an emotional experience and the question becomes, have you ever had that moment and, and you're crying, you're feeling the emotion, the weight, because you lose something you can't replace right? And when you love someone, but it goes to waste, right? That feeling that you've poured yourself out into someone and then the relationship ends, let's say, right? And so there's this imagery in this song of this sense of loss and pain. And then ask this question, what could be worse? What could be worse? And then there's these hope-filled lyrics. Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones and I will try to fix you. You know, the reality is all of us have experienced the pain and loss that love brings into our lives. If you have ever loved someone or something, you know the pain uh, and you know the loss that that love can bring. even if something as simple as we say things like, oh, I love ice cream, right? And you think you've got your favorite ice cream in the freezer, and then you go pull that ice cream out, and you realize that one of your rotten kids finished the ice cream and put the empty ice cream container back in. You know the pain and the loss in that moment of something that you love, right? You wish you had never loved that ice cream before because it's so disappointing. Now, you might not have had tears streaming down your face from that moment, but perhaps you have had the experience of the loss or the, and the pain of, death, of a person that you have loved and you've gone into a season of mourning and now you're living in grief, you know that love can bring pain because love brings investment into our lives, right? So this beautiful thing of love uh, has this kind of dark side that when we lose someone or we lose something that is irreplaceable, we have a deep sense of pain, a deep sense of loss, and here's what I think is challenging about this idea of pain and loss is the pain wants to deceive us. The pain deceives us into thinking that now we're broken. right? The reality is that when we experience pain in our lives, from ex, from whatever might have happened, whatever loss, all of a sudden we start to think and we use the language like I'm broken. Perhaps you have uh, even used the phrase, uh, I'm broken hearted, or I had my heart broken. Or maybe as a parent, you've tried to explain to your teenager, right? Oh my goodness, I'm feeling this sense of pain and brokenness. And here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that this sense of brokenness, this sense that we feel is really not that we are broken, but that we're experiencing something that disorders us, right? So rather than think about ourselves as broken, I would think that we are actually in a state of disorder. If our life feels good and and whole and has this sense of purpose and meaning, and then we have an experience that comes along perhaps out of nowhere, and we then sense this pain, this loss, I would say that we're not broken, we're actually disordered and that we now have this process that we're gonna go through if we're uh, intentional and if we are thoughtful of reordering. And I would say that it, rather than being broken, this word disorder makes more sense. And it's kind of like a transformer, right? Have you ever, uh, have you ever seen the transformer movies or have you ever played with a transformer toy? I have uh, one here with me. I have Optimus Prime right here with me. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved transformers. Who am I kidding? When I wasn't a kid, I loved Transformers, right? But the truth is, uh, I never had a lot of Transformers. They were kind of expensive. But Transformers come just like this, right? It's this beautiful robot and it's it feels whole and perfect and everything is where it should be. And this is kind of like what our lives are like, right? Everything is good. But then what happens? Something comes along and disorders us, right? Something comes along and just like twists our leg out of joint. and And all of a sudden, another instance happens. Something else happens and produces some pain in our lives. And then we have something else that comes and twists our arm out of place. And then we've got this thing that, that comes into our lives and, and we aren't sure. We didn't expect it. And it's a point of pain. And then now, we're, now we're just starting to get disordered, right? The, the transformer itself isn't broken. It's just out of order, right? It's disordered. So we have that experience. We lose our job. We weren't expecting it. All of a sudden we experience pain and loss because we really enjoyed our job and we get disjointed, disordered, right? Our teenager goes through something we never thought our teenager would go through. Perhaps your family has been haunted and has had that experience of of walking with a child through an eating disorder, perhaps. And all of a sudden you get turned and twisted around by that. Perhaps you had a bad experience inside the, the, the community of faith that you grew up in and uh, your whole understanding and image of God got, uh, got, got confused and disordered. And now what happens is we start to feel a little disordered. We don't quite look like we did before. We're not really a robot. We're not really sure what we're supposed to be. But all of a sudden we're finding ourselves in a place of just complete disarray. And so we start trying really hard. We talked a little bit about this uh, last week. We start to try and fill and fix our own disorders and we get twisted and turned around until one day, actually, we kind of look at ourselves and we don't recognize it. We're like, what is this thing? What is happening here? Now, what I wanna say is that this state of disorder, it's not broken. But if I were to, honestly, I have no idea how to fix this, right? I have no idea how to take this and put it back into uh, its kind of its proper order. But we feel like this a lot of times in our lives, right? We're not quite the whole robot. We're not quite what we feel like is next or what we're supposed to be transformed into. We're just kind of twisted and contorted and we're disordered by the pain that we experience in our lives. And here's the thing, scripture does actually offer us some wisdom on this scripture actually does give us an understanding of disorder and what can actually reorder this this pain and this this life of ours, right? Now, if we look in scripture, uh, we'll look at a couple of passages today uh, that really involve the disciples, right? Because the disciples had experienced this disordering uh, in their own lives, right? The, the, The followers of Jesus, when Jesus walked around, they went through an experience that just completely disordered them, that they were feeling like they were on top of the world, right? They're following this guy who's the Messiah. He's gonna free them from the oppression of Rome. They've given up everything. They followed him. They feel like they're that Optimus Prime robot in perfect condition. And they've actually, uh, they end up finding themselves in a complete sense of loss, pain, dysfunction, disarray, not quite sure what they are, right? So we see in Luke chapter 23, uh, verses uh, 48 and 53, uh, I'll just read a, a portion of this. We see, what it was that disordered their lives. It says that when all the crowd uh, that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus's friends, right? Including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching. Now, if you've ever been through an experience of great loss, you know what it's like to stand at a distance and watch in disbelief that there's this reality of you're in a moment and you can't believe you're in this moment. There's a part of you that doesn't feel like you're in the moment. There's a part of you that feels like you've entered into an alternative universe and you're just left standing watching. And that's what happened. The disciples and the friends of Jesus are left standing, gazing at a dead body on a cross. And in that moment, the disciples experienced the disorder of losing something Irreplaceable. They had given their lives. They had believed that God was at work through this person, Jesus. They had, they had literally sold themselves to the vision of a kingdom that would come through the leadership of Jesus. And they stood there, disordered, pain. As the body would be brought off the cross, according to Luke, and be placed into a tomb, they watched, as their hopes and their dreams and their thoughts and their plans for life became disordered. Just five days earlier, six days earlier, they were preparing for Jesus to enter into Jerusalem. They were preparing for him to be the king. Their lives felt whole and ordered. And now everything was in disarray. And if we look into Luke a little bit further, we're gonna find that the only thing that would reorder, the only thing that could bring order back into their life was the very presence of Jesus. And we'll see that Jesus's presence would actually reorder them, would actually shape them, would actually transform them, would transform their mourning into dancing. But it was only the presence of Jesus that could do this because it was that great loss that they had experienced. In Luke chapter 24, verse 15, we find a a couple of people who are leaving Jerusalem after the crucifixion, some followers of Jesus, some disciples, and they're lost and they're confused and they're filled with grief and filled with mourning. They've lost what is irreplaceable. They have loved and had it been wasted. And as they're walking, they're discussing what happens. In Luke chapter 24, verse 15, it says this, that Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. And and the story goes on. They didn't recognize it. And here's what I think is true about our lives is that Jesus will often suddenly come into it and begin walking with us through these painful experiences. And we won't. Know it, Jesus will oftentimes come and walk with us uh, through a friend. will Will walk with us through a song. Will walk with us through an experience, and we won't necessarily recognize it in the moment. But as we find in this story of the two men who were walking on this road to Emmaus, there came a moment where their eyes were opened, and they realized that it was Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus disappears. In that moment, they're left. their own wonderment. They're left to their own amazement. And it says that they turned around and they went back to Jerusalem where they found the disciples gathered. And in Luke chapter 24, a few verses later, we find this great story of the disciples that are gathered. They're very confused by what has happened. The women have gone to the tomb. They found the tomb empty. They encountered an angel. They came back. They didn't believe it. Peter ran to the tomb. Peter experiences an empty tomb. There's no angels. And it leaves. And the text says that He left like just wondering and confused and amazed at what had happened. And there's this little line that actually, uh, as the the people that are, that these two men that were on the road to Emmaus came back, like the disciples actually say to them, "'Yeah, we know that Jesus is alive. "'He appeared to Peter, but we don't have any in Luke.'" There's just no, like, it doesn't explain. It doesn't tell us that story of how Jesus appeared just to Peter. It's very interesting. But what it does say this is that that the two who were on their way from Emmaus, they told their story to the disciples of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread, right? So they, they, they told the whole story and then all of a sudden they recognized Jesus. And just as they were talking about it, it says that Jesus himself again was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now, I don't know about you, But if I'm standing in the middle of a room with a bunch of my friends and a dead guy shows up, I'm freaking out. I'm absolutely freaking out. I'm I'm having people pinch me. I'm having people punch me. I'm checking my pulse. I don't know what's going on, but I'm certainly not at peace. Even these people that are telling me they saw Jesus. I don't know if I'm fully believing it because I saw him die and dead people don't walk around. But here's Jesus now. Boom! He shows up. He's standing right there among them, right? And he's resurrected into some new body, right? And it's not a body like yours and mine because this body disappears. You and I have to work a lot harder for our bodies to disappear. I mean, I gotta do push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. I gotta watch what I eat. Like Jesus's body, it just disappears, reappears. He travels. Like so, so there is some resurrection that's happened here. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I'm hoping to have one of those new bodies one day, but here's the deal. Like Jesus just appears. And here's what happens. The whole group shocker of all shockers is startled and frightened, right? A perfectly normal response. And if any of you that like wanna condemn these folks for being startled in response, just imagine some dead person showing up one day in a room that you're hanging out playing cards. It would mess you up for a while. And they think it's a ghost. And so Jesus says, why are you frightened? Probably not the most insightful question of Jesus's entire life, right? That feels like it's a given, like Jesus shows up right now. If Jesus shows up in physical form, I'm probably going to be scared. And if you were to ask me why I'm frightened, I might just say, really? That's your question of me? It seems kind of obvious, right? Why are you frightened? Jesus says, why are your hearts filled with doubt? And he shows them, look at my hands, look at my feet. Now you can see it's really me. And I love this size. He says, touch me. He says, touch me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. There's something about touch. There's something about presence. He says, touch me and you'll know because ghosts don't have bodies and you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet and still they stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. You know, I think that we all at times in our lives, especially if you have committed your life to this way of Jesus, We haven't given ourselves permission to have this experience in our faith. I don't know that we've given ourselves permission to allow ourselves to actually touch Jesus, to have Jesus touch our lives and to still stand there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. What a great tension that really does describe authentic faith. That we can go through pain and loss and we can encounter God and still stand there in disbelief, but also in that moment, be filled with joy and wonder. That is a great mystery. And we need to give ourselves permission, I think, to experience that. And so Jesus senses their disbelief and he doesn't, he doesn't chastise them. He doesn't you know, smack them upside the head. What does he say? He says to them, do you have something to eat? I love it. Like, how long am I gonna stand here? I'm hungry, right? And so they gave him a piece of boiled fish and he ate it as they watched. I love that Jesus does this for their benefit, right? They ate it. He ate it as they watched, right? Could you just, can you just picture in your head this moment for a second? I don't think we give ourselves up, just laugh a little bit, right? So you got these disciples standing around talking, two guys coming back saying they saw a dead guy. All of a sudden the dead guy shows up in the middle of their room. Nobody believes it. They're touching him. They don't get it, right? And then all of a sudden Jesus is like, I'm hungry. And he's eating. And everybody's watching him. Like nobody's doing anything. Like while he eats this fish, <laughs> you know? Like I can't imagine that moment, right? And then Jesus says to him, when I was with you before, I, I love that phrase with you. He's with him now, right? He says, when I was with you before in a different way, I told you that everything written about me, in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Here's what I wanna say to this. I believe when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter God in the midst of our pain and our loss, that Jesus will open our minds to understand, to understand the pain and the loss, to understand it in light of what God is doing in us and in our world. And that is not to say that God brought it into our lives. It's not to say that God ever wanted us to experience that pain or that loss. It's to say that God has the power to open our minds to understand. And so he says, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written, that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And what was the message? The the message, believe it or not, wasn't what Jesus just said, that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. We think that's the message, but that's not the message. The message is there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. (laughs) That's it. And we've talked about this in our, in our language in today's world and in, in our way of thinking, we ought to understand this. There's healing for wounds for all who accept their woundedness. There's healing. There's healing from the wounds that you have imposed on others and that others have imposed on you if we're willing to ask for it, if we're willing to, to live a life where we seek to stop the wounding. I love that Jesus says, this is the message. This is the message and it starts right here, right now, that there's forgiveness, there's healing from the sins of this world for all who repent. Jesus doesn't go in to explain how it all works. Jesus doesn't go in to give any kind of theology around cross and death and resurrection and atonement. He just says, no, this is the message that there's forgiveness for all who repent. And then he says, you are witnesses of all these things And here's the key, I think the whole point for us to understand what it means to experience the presence of Jesus, to be brought into a place of order, to have the pain and the loss that disorders us, be transformed Jesus says now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven so Jesus starts to talk about this Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter 28 after Jesus uh, gives what we call the gives to the disciples what we call the great Commission like the, the call their their vocation here's what you're supposed to go out and do this is what he says and I think it directly relates to this concept of the Holy Spirit, he says, and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, the way that Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age, is through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a very interesting concept, an interesting idea. We talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And here's what I would say to us today. Given our anchor verse, right, where we're talking about the unfailing love of God, that I'd like us to think about the Holy Spirit in some terms like this. That the Holy Spirit is the intimate presence of God's unfailing love that reorders us amidst pain and loss. That the Holy Spirit is that expression, that understanding of the Trinity, of the full nature of God, of the flow of the relationship, right? That is intimate, that is present among us, not in flesh, but is present among us. in a a way that is beyond flesh, right? There is an intimacy that comes beyond flesh, beyond the room, beyond what we can touch. I think this is why Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That there is this understanding that that when we come to faith, when we come to believing that we are forgiven, that we are whole, right? When we come to this space of believing that our wounds can be healed, that we can actually move to a space to acknowledge that we wound others and come to a place of humility, right? That that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's intimate. And it's this intimate presence, right? That reorders us amidst our pain and loss. So we, we, we oftentimes kind of get into like, well, what is the nature of the Holy Spirit? And we wanna kind of think in terms and, and like try and get it all worked out in relationship to the Father, the Son. But I wonder if we could just set that aside for a little bit and maybe for this week, just let our souls find a little rest. Let our souls feed on this understanding of the Holy Spirit, that when we say Holy Spirit, what we're talking about is the intimate presence of God's unfailing love. It's when we soak in it, when we can experience it. And we kind of experience it at a a truly physical level, that we know it, that we know it. And it's that presence that reorders us amidst great pain and loss. And so the the Bible words for this, some of the great metaphors that we have in scripture for the Holy Spirit, for this intimate presence of God's unfailing love are words like shadow, to hide in the shadow of the almighty, the presence of God, the glory of God, the whisper, the small voice, the breath of God. Like these are all words. These are all metaphors to help us understand this intimate presence of the unfailing love that is God. And we use the word Holy Spirit right now for that. The experience of it is far more important than the language that we use. And so you say, well, this is great, Ryan, again, like wonderful, but what about tomorrow? I'm living in a space of pain. I'm living in a space of loss. What I have loved is no longer there. So what do I do about that? Well, I wish there were like super easy answers, but I do think there are some things that we can glean and learn and and apply into our lives tomorrow that we can take into the grief that we are experiencing, to take into the disorder that we feel. And the first thing I wanna encourage you with is, one, expect the Holy Spirit to reorder your disorder, to come with an expectation before God that the intimate presence of God's unfailing love can actually reorder the parts and pieces of your life that feel like they're broken, that feel like they're shattered, but hold to this belief that they are all still present. All the pieces are there. You're still in a sense whole. There's just a disordering that took place, right? It's the the disordering. This, believe it or not, this is a robot, (laughs) right? All the pieces are still there, but believe that the one who created you can actually reorder that and can do it miraculously, can do it in ways that you wouldn't expect, that you wouldn't think. And I wanna encourage you to experience this reordering, experience this unfailing love in community. So I actually believe that we've been wired and created this way. I believe that we are wired for community, that we're wired to experience God in a unique way when we gather together. It's why gathering is so important. Now, the method we gather, what that gathering looks like, what you do at that gathering, that's all you know, whatever, it's all cultural. It's all kind of what we're used to, what we're comfortable with, but it's being together, right? Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 18, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, does that mean that if, if you're by yourself praying that God isn't present? Absolutely not, right? No way, doesn't mean that. I think what this is driving home and the point that this is trying to make is that when two people gather together, when three people gather together, they bear witness to one another, the truth of God at work, right? It's easy, you ever stood in a room and like doubted yourself when you're by yourself, right? But the reality is where two or three come as witnesses to the work of God, that Jesus is present in a unique way. So I, I believe that there is an experiential presence, right? There's an experience that we can have with God's presence, with the Holy Spirit, that is transformative, and it, and I believe this that it, it is it happens in power and in strength when we're in numbers. Now it's not the more the better, anything like that, but where there's two or three, where there are people there to affirm, to walk with you, to be present as Christ, there's something powerful that happens there. And so I want to encourage you to to commit yourselves to community. Now COVID. This pandemic means the community might look a little different. It might mean gathering around a screen in your living room with your family. It might mean gathering around a screen in your living room with uh, uh, some close friends and watching the, the broadcast. It may mean gathering with friends and family, not around a screen, not watching the broadcast, but reading together, praying together, talking, whatever that looks like. This broadcast is meant to be a resource, a tool for you, Right? to be a part of your spiritual experience. So I would encourage you to leverage it, right? Leverage it, but gather with two or three and then begin to allow that work of the unfailing love of God that's found in the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, what we call the Holy Spirit, begin to heal, begin to work miraculously because you expect that and you trust that. Here's what I would just wanna encourage you with, and this might not be very encouraging to you, but just remember that most of life is spent in the reordering phase so if transformation has some some steps some some like I believe transformation has some like uh, processes and order to it, right? Like our lives. So we start in a place of order like that transformer. Then we have the experience that disorders us, the pain, the loss, the confusion, that disorders us. That sets us like this, like the, 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 the transformer is all jacked up, right? And I don't even know, have a clue how to put this thing back together. But there is a, a reordering that takes place where we allow ourselves to be placed inside the hands of our creator and trust. And we wait and we allow God to begin to reshape us and reform us and reorder our world. And then he brings us, God brings us back to a place of order in some sense. But here's what I've come to believe through my experience, uh, not as a pastor, but just as a human being that there's too many events in life that come and bring disorder. There's too many painful experiences for me to stay as that perfect robot too long. And the truth is that disordering experience that can happen in a moment. I mean, literally in seconds, disorder can come about. It could also take a long time, but more often than not, real real disorder that disrupts, that starts to contort us, that happens very quickly. But what I've also come to understand is that while the reordering can happen instantly for some, the reordering is typically a process and it's a lot longer than we expect. But here's what's amazing. When we have that disorder, when we say and we commit ourselves to going into the presence of God, When we bring ourselves in disorder, we don't try to pretend that we're all ordered. We don't try to pretend that everything is all squared away. We don't try to pretend to be the the all put together robot and we just allow God to reorder us. God's gonna take all those parts, gonna take into consideration the pain, the loss, those things are all transformative elements in our lives. And all of a sudden we come out on the other side in a new order. Same pieces, same parts, same existence, all those experiences, but we come out in a new order, just like a transformer gets transformed into something completely different, right? So so all the same pieces, all the same parts, but in the hands of a creator, reformed, reshaped, reordered. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of just bringing our lives into a place where we allow God to bring us to wholeness. It's not that we were missing anything, but we just have to rest and wait and trust that God walks with us as we walk through the pain. And and the beauty of it is this. When we start to do this, when we start to say, okay, I I just need God to, to work in my life We could even use the word fix, right? I mean, the song says, I'll fix you, but it's not in the sense that fix you that you're missing something and we gotta go get a, a piece or a part from the parts store and then put it in your life. It's being put into the hands of the creator, the clay being put back on the potter's wheel, being reshaped and reformed into something beautiful because of that experience, right? When that happens, wholeness starts to emerge. And all of a sudden we realize that every experience of pain and loss in our lives can be redeemed only when we bring it into God's presence. As long as I try to rework my life, as long as I try to twist myself back into place, as long as I try to fix me or I let other people fix me, I'm never gonna get to that new creation. I'm never gonna get to where everything kind of fits and is different, but good. That's redemption. That's redemption. When we bring the pain, when we bring the loss, when we bring all of ourselves, all jacked up from the decisions that have been made upon us (laughs) and the decisions that we've made for our own lives, but we say, okay, I'm gonna bring these into the presence of God. I'm gonna bring these into God's unfailing love. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to wait and I'm going to be transformed into this new creation. That's redemption. That's wholeness. And so this evening, maybe you're in a point or in a place of pain and loss. Maybe you're watching this uh, on Sunday morning. You're in a point of pain or loss. Maybe you're watching this on Tuesday night. Maybe you're watching this Saturday. Wherever you are, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm at a point of pain and loss and I feel all out of sorts and I feel broken. Well, I wanna tell you, you're not broken. There's just a disordering that has happened because of those experiences. And I believe that God maybe is inviting you this evening to believe that you're not broken, to just start there that you're not broken, that you just have a disordering that has happened in your life. We all go through it. The Bible words for this are death and resurrection. It's a pattern. It's our lives are filled with it. It's a series of death and resurrection, death and resurrection, order, disorder, reorder. It is the pattern in our lives. And you say, I'm in that space. I've just had this event. I've just had this circumstance, whatever it is, and it's brought disorder into my life and my being and my soul, and I'm out of sorts. Well, you're not broken. And so trust that God can can begin to form and God can begin to bring healing and work in the midst of the pain and the loss. And a great way to do this, to talk with somebody. And so we have care ministers that would love to talk with you. So maybe God's inviting you to reach out and just check the box on the connect card. I'd like to talk with a care minister that first next step. Maybe you're just at a space where you're not really ready. You don't know you want to talk to somebody. I want to encourage you to like literally make a commitment to bring this pain, bring this loss into the care of the Holy Spirit through two practices, prayer and singing. Believe it or not, worship and prayer. There's something so powerful about these moments where we sit and pause and reflect and we just wait on God. We just wait and we just sit and we believe and we trust that God's care and that God's love. And it's like, we're putting ourselves on the potter's wheel, right? We're taking this lump of clay that was so we thought was just all together. And then something happened and it got shattered and disordered. We're taking all the pieces and we're saying, God, I trust you with me. I trust you with me. I trust you with these experiences. I trust that your unfailing love can reorder this and can bring me into a space that is new. And so I would encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, Ryan, I've been through a lot of pain in my life. And what you're talking about, I've experienced and my soul resonates with. And I want others to help I want to help others experience that same sense of reorder. I want to walk with people. Well, I would encourage you to jump into the care ministry. Become a care minister. Learn about what it takes to do that, to serve others through our congregation, to be available to walk with people as God is reordering and reshaping uh, post kind of these painful moments of loss, these painful circumstances. Whatever it is that you might be feeling God is inviting you into today, I would encourage you to say yes. So we have a great song to just pause and consider what you might feel God doing in your life. And I would encourage you while this song is going on to just maybe close your eyes, breathe a little bit, ask the question, what are you inviting me into God? What are you inviting me into? And take seriously that God will speak, that God will whisper. There's a lyric in this song that is super powerful. It's kind of a new uh, worship song that we're introducing. And uh, I I love the, the lyric in this song that says, here in your presence, I'm never forsaken. I'm never left alone. I'm never turned away from here in your presence. Through seasons unknown, I'm never alone. And it's another great metaphor, like seasons unknown are these spaces where pain and loss come and they disorder and we don't know what's going on. We can hold to this truth that we're never alone. Let me pray for you before we listen to this song. Lord, we've all experienced the pain of disorder. We've all experienced a loss We've all experienced the dark side of what love can bring into our hearts and our lives. And so for those that are in that moment right now that are watching this wherever, whenever they're watching it, Lord, I pray that they would sense the presence that comes and brings reorder. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and that they would be able to sit in the unfailing love that is God and know that you are reshaping, reforming, recasting, and making something beautiful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.